and welcome back to the Be Real, Get Real podcast. I am your host, Nancy Matthews, one of the founders of Women's Prosperity Network, and this podcast is designed to give you inspiration and motivation and some really good tips on how to move forward in your life despite things that may show up that were unexpected or challenging. Today's guest is Abigail Tiefenthaler, and she's going to be sharing her real story about From Trauma to Trust. Welcome, my friend, Abigail. Well, thank you, Nancy. It's been a while. It has been a while. It's been a minute or two, right? <laughs> yep, like they say. <laughs> and in that time frame, many things have happened to you, uh, for, um, with you, and for you. So I'm grateful that you've you're taking time to share your story with us today. I really do appreciate it, uh, as I'm sure oh, you're welcome. Uh, and and before we dive in uh, to your story, let me share with our audience a little bit about you and your background. So Abigail Tiefenthaler is a mother, wife, entrepreneur, and former corporate marketing manager who started a home-based business 23 years ago. She started as a promotional products distributor and grows 1.2 million in, in her second year of business, putting her at the top 5% of her industry. She attributed her success to one simple strategy. Ask for a seat at the table, show up as a problem solver and the business will come and the business did come seven years ago she refocused from logoed merchandise back to her marketing roots using her foundational marketing practices that led to successful launches rebranding and market share increases she started working with small and mid-sized business owners helping them create the branding that is authentic and compelling marketing that builds trust with their ideal clients and creates sales conversations and conversions that bring in more customers and make the business more money. Her belief is build a brand and you will build a business. She offers practical solutions that are custom to the specific goals of each client she serves. There is no one size fits all solution and Abigail is not afraid to get her clients to implement the right next steps for their business and not necessarily the steps that everyone else thinks you should be doing. I love that. Uh, and you can learn more about Abigail at launchesmadesimple.com and uh, a robust background in business, marketing, and life. And today we're going to talk about that life piece of it. So share with our listeners this the story from trauma to trust and what's recently happened for you. Yeah, um, you know, I relocated from Florida up to South Carolina back in 2015. My husband transferred hospitals, and so we moved up here. And 15 and 16 were kind of breathing years, if you will. 2008 to 14 had its challenges. And then in 2016, we found this adorable little house that was built in 1966. Great bones, just needed to like be brought into the 21st century on the inside. And so we embarked on a two-year renovation, real renovation, like get rid of rooms, tear down walls, put in structural beams, raise floors. I mean, real renovation, not just changing out a bathroom. Mm -hmm. And in, you know, 2018, I was, I traveled twice to Europe, spent like six weeks, seven weeks there total, really enjoyed it, was looking forward to continuing that trend in 2019 and came home from Croatia exhausted. 
overly tired, attributing it some of it to just like the last couple of years and everything that we had done. And, um, but I knew something was wrong. Something wasn't right. I felt like I was a 90 year old woman chasing my five year old grandson, i.e. my husband, because here he is doing all of these crazy things. And I was, I, I just, I'd go up five steps and I was exhausted. So when I was getting my well visit for the year, my doctor suggested doing some additional blood work and um, I ended up with leukemia. I ended up having what's called MDS, which is a precursor. Some call it a precursor to leukemia. Some say it's a leukemia, it's a blood cancer. But basically all three of my markers, my white, my red, and my platelets were all really low. So that was kind of like nobody in my family had been diagnosed with leukemia, nothing, you know, nothing had um, given us any kind of genetic warning signs that we'd be predisposed to blood cancer. And you're like, where, where did this come from? Like, I take good care of myself and had it, right? I, I do. I mean, I was in the gym a couple of days a week. I, you know, I, we eat healthy, we eat organically. And um, I remember my husband, you know, I, I remember the doctor called me on the Saturday after Christmas, real nice young guy. And he says, you have leukemia. And I said, okay, thank you. And I hung up the phone and I turned back on Hallmark. I literally like, I, I, I didn't, I couldn't even give myself a minute to sit in the diagnosis or in the next steps or whatever. And I remember my husband was sleeping because he works nights as a nurse. And so when he woke up and he's walking down the hallway, I said, I heard from Dr. Wells and he said, yeah. And I go, I've got leukemia. His comment was wholly expletive. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And I, I said to him, yeah, you know, and he went to work that night and it's interesting because he told his entire staff like that he works with, I think he really needed to process it. And we didn't, I didn't tell anybody until that Monday because I didn't know what to tell them. So I went to the doctor on Monday. Right. You're like, in the hospital me this, right. What does this really mean? Right. Well, yeah, I didn't, I, I mean, you don't know if you have it a little or a lot, you know, it's like, can you be a little leukemic, but not really leukemic, you know? So um, originally I was diagnosed with an aggressive form called AML. So they put me in the hospital right away and then they did a second bone marrow biopsy and re-diagnosed me with MDS. And so the protocol shifted very quickly and I went into what was called um, kind of a maintenance dosage of chemo. That was a seven on and a 21 day off. And the goal was to get my numbers high of a stem cell transplant. So, 2009, I, I back on it, and I think it's real, absolutely real. But year, I, you know, January, February, and March went through three rounds of chemo. My brother was my donor. He was he's a ten out of ten match. I got very very lucky because I could boss him around and hurry him up. Versus if you're using an anonymous donor, you don't necessarily have that flexibility. He and I were both in the hospital at the same time. He was harvesting plasma. You know, he was having the harvesting done. And so they were able to actually give me live plasma, which was a benefit. And throughout the process, my doctor, who loves the fact that I'm from New York and New Jersey, calls me his favorite patient, although I tell him, I'm sure he calls everybody his favorite patient. He goes, no, I like your spunk. You know, I just... To me, it was all about reaching mile markers. Mm -hmm. mm. 
the very first thing that I did when I was diagnosed was I said to my husband, you need to find a community because I'm not going to be there for you as much as you may need me to be there. And I said the same thing to my daughters. Not that I didn't want to support them through the process. Well, you had to go for your own things. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that was kind of just giving them permission that they could talk about it to whomever. This wasn't a secret. Mm-hmm. There, there was no magic dust that had to happen. You know, it, 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 this was going to be a process that all of us were going to be impacted by. And so um, they needed their own support team. Sure. sure. And, and I really think that, you know, when we talk about embarking on anything, whether we're starting a business, whether we're dealing with a traumatic health event or a family dynamic issue that's going on, we need to know what our capabilities are in terms of being able to support others who are being impacted. It's a really important thing to have that conversation as hard as it is. And it doesn't mean you don't love your husband or your children. Mm-hmm. You know, it just means that there were going to be times they were going to fail me and there were going to be times I was going to fail them. And I'm, so I want to pause here because you're bringing up something really essential that most people don't eat, think about or know how to address, right? Right. Uh, so for you to have had that forethought that you know, you know, husband, daughters, you're going to need some support and I can't be it. And when they get support, it helps the whole healing of everybody involved in a better way. All the way around. Because it, what it does actually too, is it builds a wider community. Right. Because I could talk to, you know, my, my younger daughter, my children are now 20, they'll be 25 and 28 this year. They're remarkable young women. Um, and I take zero credit for it. I mean, a little bit. I take a little bit. But they are <laughs> remarkable, remarkable women. Emma was actually my primary caregiver because I chose the Mayo Clinic as my, my, my stem cell transplant clinic. So I was down from April till August. I was in Jacksonville full time. And if there were any issues, she was only 10 minutes away. And she basically, because she's a little steamroller like I am, she's a mini me. And she basically walked into her management and said, my mom was just diagnosed with leukemia. And if I have to go, I have to go. And they were like, if you have to go, you go, you know. But I mean, we were able to put in place some amazing things. My older daughter, who's still down in Wellington, she would come up, you know, when she could on weekends. Jim actually was able to apply for a modified family leave, you know, participate in modified family leave. So he worked Thursday, uh, Friday night and Saturday night, and then he came down Sunday and he was with me till Thursday. It really was a community. And, um, you know, my, 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 my mother's gone now and my father, you know, came up to see me. My brother came up to see me. My other brother obviously came down because he was my donor. I had friends from Ohio and New Jersey and South Florida come and stay with me. Well, because this is what happens. And and I think this is another critical point to make. The transplant is such a small part of the entire recovering process. Mm -hmm. I had four months of being in a care house where I needed 24 seven supervision, even though, I mean, I could go to the bathroom on my own. I could take a shower on my own, but that's what's required 
to stay at this care house. So Emma, my younger, she ended up, her roommate was one of my caregivers. One of her best friend's boyfriends was one of my, I mean, he spent the night with me one night because there was nobody else to do it. <coughs> You'd be amazed at just the community. So let's, let's talk, talk about this um, trust process. Right. Because here you are, you get this diagnosis, and I'm sure there was first denial and then a flood of different emotions that came all throughout. What's, what's, what's this trust piece that developed for you through this? So this is the interesting thing, is like anything that we grieve, we have got to go through that, that five-step grieving process. Mm -hmm. The faster we can get to acceptance, the faster we can get to trust. Because once we get to acceptance, we're in the realm of possibilities, right? Once we get, we get to acceptance, we can start looking at what our options are. We can start looking at who do we trust to be on this journey with us? And what do we need to trust ourselves? Because let's face it, we are the main part of it. You know, we, we're the one who's experienced, we, we have to wake up every single morning and choose to trust what's going to happen next or choose to live in victimhood. Ah, that was gold right there. We have, we are the ones that have to trust to move forward or stay stuck in, in being a victim. Why did this happen to me? And yeah. And, and, you know, I think as bad as something is there is always some silver lining associated to it. If we look in my for case, it, if we look, yeah, we have to, yeah. we do have to look yeah. for it. And, and you know what? Sometimes that's all, it is a string that we are holding onto because that's the only string that's coming down out of the sky that, at that moment or maybe for a week. You know, in my case, it was, I was 12 years younger than the act, than the, the, um, you know, then the average patient, it was a primary diagnosis, not a secondary diagnosis. I was lucky enough to have my brother be able to give me a 10 out of 10 match in, my, in his stem cells. I was getting live stem cells. I was at one of the best hospitals in the world. Mm -hmm. I, had a, I had a community of support staff who were watching, monitoring, you know, the minute something is going on, I mean, you want to talk about great quality of care, go, go need a bone marrow biopsy, a, a transplant. I, I want to talk about another way that <laughs> that community um, got created. And I was part of that, you know, watching your journey and your posts that you did through, through um, social media on Facebook, particularly. So, right. what was, so let me start with this. What was your inspiration or reason for even posting on there? And then what was the outcome? So, it, so that's, a, that's actually a, a, a kind of funny story because I was sitting in the hospital originally with that diagnosis of AML. And it was my first night in the hospital. I was you know, scared to death. The nurses were coming in every hour and a half probing and prodding. I hadn't even been hooked up to anything. And I was like, I want to... I need to process my feelings. I need to process my thoughts. And I thought I would, you know, couch it in storytelling. Mm -hmm. 
I didn't want to share. It wasn't like I wanted to be raw and graphic and, you know, talk about how much a bone marrow biopsy hurts or how much it doesn't hurt. I, I didn't want to talk about the process. Like today they did dot, 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 you know, so many, um, so many medical related uh, posts talk about the specifics of the process. Right. But I needed to talk about what this was doing to my life. And I needed to, again, hang on to those strings wherever I could find them. So I'm, I have this whole thing about getting rid of bad blood, right? I have blood, I've got to get good blood. And so I was created this bad blood and said, like you're here to get good blood. And like three o'clock in the morning, she, she literally like talk about flipping a switch. And I was like, yeah, this isn't bad blood. The bad blood's going to be gone. Uh -huh. The good blood is what I need to embrace. And that's what I needed to trust. And so I started just talking about this fictional place, which so many people thought was real. I did. <laughs> thought camp, called Camp Good Blood. And that I was going to embark on a new adventure where I was going to do things that I was going to be afraid to do because that's what camp is for, right? Exposing you to things you may not be exposed to normally. I've never been to camp, by the way, because my parents had a summer house and I was never allowed to go. So to me, this <laughs> was my camp experience. That's right. That's right. I love it. <laughs> and so, you know, the, the whole concept of trust, just like trust is what kept me going because it was there like that marquee sign, you know, on the highway, you know, when you're driving to Florida and you see all of those fireworks signs and all of that. Mm -hmm. To me, this trust just kept on saying, just trust the process, trust the process. And my doctor, Dr. Carfon said, um, you, you need to release, you know, and you're right. I have a tremendous community and I had somebody who was teaching me some yoga so I could do it in the hospital. I had somebody who was teaching me breathing exercises, you know, talking about essential oils, you name it. I was given some type of alternative way to deal with the whole process. And just him telling me to be able to release, like not surrender, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but to release made me realize that I controlled because I'm a control freak. I mean, we all are right. Us alpha personalities, yes. as Aquarians, especially. Yes. I, I, I realized that I could control how I released. And then of course, the more you trust, the more you're willing to release, yes. right? I mean, right. right. You like right? a little so, bit, you share a little and then a little more and a little more. Right. Like today, I think I'm going to trust you. <laughs> you know, Tomorrow, I don't even have to think about it because now I trust you. Beautiful. The interesting thing, Nancy, about trust is I've been a pretty trusting soul most of my life. I mean, I've always been a pretty happy, positive person. And when my husband and I got married in 1990, the story that was read from the pulpit, you know, as opposed to reading something from the Bible, we read it from the little prince. And it was the story of the trust of the fox. Mm. So I never even connected that till just now. And then, of course, 
what does a brand do in business? Creates trust. Builds trust. So my entire world has revolved around trust. I've just had to see it differently in different ways. And, you know, I, I, I know there were hundreds of people who commented on my posts and I know thousands of people who watched my videos and read my posts. Every single one of those people, whether they came to me privately or responded, you know, in the, in the thread were a a piece of that trust building Mm -hmm. because number one, they told that I was with what I was saying were validating. Mm-hmm. I necessarily needed, certainly egged me on. But number two, they, of them got trust they have. You know, you created the that process for the conversation. Wow. So, yeah. um, Abigail, thank you for sharing your experience, your, um, process for releasing and and going through all of this today you are feeling good today you are feeling good yeah today i had an inhaler and little you know i have great days i have good days I don't ever call them bad because they're days. They're just days. <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, Abigail, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Um, uh, yeah, I am certain our audience is going to want to be uh, reaching out to you. So you can, again, connect with Abigail at launchesmadesimple.com. Do you still have that Facebook group going to? Or that, or is it just on your personal page? I have a Facebook group, The Marketing Savvy Mm-hmm. coaches circle and uh, you know my phone number and my email are actually on my facebook pages okay perfect so definitely so, I, so the facebook page is abigail tiefenthaler yep and uh if you look up the hashtag camp good blood i bet they'll find all your posts they will they all will right. absolutely all right beautiful thank you again for being with us today for your strength your resilience and your trust oh thank you thank you so much for asking me You're welcome. All right. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to check for the next episode of the Be Real, Get Real podcast. Real women, just like Abigail, just like you, sharing real stories of their successes and their triumphs. Have a beautiful day. Thank you, Abigail.